Hello, this is Josh Gondelman. No, I'm sorry, I'm Josh Gondelman, and this is Make My Day, a comedy game show. The world is a stressful place, so every week we try to make it a little nicer for about half an hour. I play a game with my guest, who is guaranteed to win because they're the only contestant, and I assign them points based on how much they cheer me up over the course of the game. That's how all the points are assigned, based on how much I'm delighted by their answers. The winner, and again, only contestant, wins a $100 donation to the charity or aid cause of their choice, and at the end, we each give a pep talk to a person or a group or a thing that we think really needs it this week, because this isn't all about me. It's just mostly about me. My guest today is a stand-up comedian and a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, as well as the host of the comedy news panel podcast, Fake the Nation. Welcome to the show, Nagin Farsad. Oh my gosh, Josh Gondelman. Hello, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. I'm so I'm so happy to see you. It's been, it's been a little while. How was your new year and such? Oh my gosh, I was in bed by 9.45 p.m., so I am just redefining baller over here. Beautiful. I was a, I was asleep before midnight for sure, and I woke up to like a bunch of texts. I sent like all my Happy New Year, glad we're friends texts at like ten thirty. Yeah, because like who cares? Who cares? This year, this the, is the fine. sentiment yeah. is what's important, not the timing. Yes, of course. I did a thing where I didn't send any texts. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. First of all, it was like a very happy in quotes New Year. It was like a big year for the word happy in quotes. Maybe the biggest. And the other part of it is just like all those little things that like take that little extra effort. I, I'm like so ready to have let everybody off the hook for that during the pandemic. Like I have a few friends that still sent holiday cards. Mm. And I was like, that to me, like Impressive. what a Herculean feat. Yes, yes. Um, it's also, I love your emphasis on Herculean as opposed to Herculean. Is it, is, I, don't, I don't know where to put know the emphasis. What? I don't know which one's right. I just know the one I've said my whole life. And you say Herculean. Herculean. <sighs> Listeners, right. let us know this yeah. and many other interesting things. <laughs> this is a perfect, I think, segue into our game. Let's jump into today's game. Our game today is called Non-PR. Mm. Nagin, we work together a lot on shows like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for NPR and other like NPR-ish things. I feel like we get booked to do a lot of comedy for people who read more books than they see comedy, right? That sounds fair. <laughs> yeah, for people who are not familiar with comedians in general, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, we're yeah. their comedians. <laughs> yeah, that's that's who we get to do a lot of comedy for. And it's so fun. I, I say that self-deprecatingly, not like to denigrate the show because it's, it's such a fun show to do. It reaches such a huge audience. But because it's for a public radio audience, there's lots of stuff we can't say or do. The format is like very clean and bright and and smart. And yes. so for today's game, we're going to deal with all the stuff that's not quite fit for a public radio crowd. I'll ask you some questions about non-public radio appropriate issues. You will answer me and I will score your answers based on their creativity, accuracy, and most importantly, how much they delight me specifically. Specifically. Nagin Farsad, are you ready to play non-PR? So ready. First question. If you hosted a 90s morning zoo style radio show, I think they still have them. You know how it's always like, Davy and the Buzz. What would you <laughs> want your nickname to be? What would the show be called? At first blush, I would want my show to be called, I would like to be called The Dirty Immigrant. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> which I think would be really fun, right? And just like, you know, satire on the self or mm-hmm. whatever. But the only hiccup is that I am not an immigrant. My parents sure. are immigrants. I'm a first generation. Mm-hmm. So then I thought maybe it would be, maybe I'd be called, maybe my show would be called like Zen with first gen. Mm-hmm. Um which would like kind of hamstring me a little bit because then I'd have to be really zen on the show. A very different vibe than calling it the dirty immigrant. The dirty immigrant, but doesn't that sound fun? The dirty immigrant, like <laughs> it she's really sounds wacky. Like it might have already existed. But then what I landed on was I would call myself the bullet point, and I would talk in bullet points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I would be like. Uh, hey, Nagin Farsad here, also known as, do they say that also known as, or do they just like say that. the yeah, bullet sure. point? And I would be like, number one, there's a war in Iraq. Number two, I ate Cheetos for breakfast and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> number three, there's beef between Snoop Dogg and another person. But first, the mighty, mighty Boston's with the impression that I get, you know? And that's how I would do every segue into a song. I love all of this. <laughs> I love that you cover such a wide swath. Oh, you! I want people to be well-rounded if they're going to listen to my morning zoo show. To the bullet point, right. To the this bullet zoo point. has a diversity of intellectual <laughs> animals. <laughs> because, you know, it's like you can have some thoughts about Iraq. You can also have some thoughts about Cheetos. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you may also be a hip-hop fan, in which case you're not going to like that I played the song The Mighty Mighty Boston's. So that'll give you something to complain about in your work day. Or maybe you've never been exposed to The Mighty Mighty Boston's before. <laughs> maybe you like Snoop Dogg, you care about his beef, but at the same time you're like, ooh, trombones. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is making me feel a feeling I've never felt before. Oh, they did use a lot of trombone. That was their thing. The bullet point is such a great hook for this radio show. I love its wide array of content, is what I mean, for the show. Thank you. And you're welcome. It's beautiful. It's so fun. People are going to learn. I'm going to go with 99 points. 99 points just because I feel like a show where someone could be called the dirty immigrant and, like, not get, like, letters of complaint every day probably last could have happened in 1999. (laughs) Indeed. Perfect. Next question. Yeah. What is something simple? This is a vulnerable question. Okay. But but it's it's for sharing. What is something simple that you don't know that you've never looked up or you always hear and you don't understand that you'd be embarrassed to admit on your own very smart, very funny podcast or on a public radio show? This is a yeah. safe space. I will not make fun. I mean, first of all, and this is Farsi speakers out there, you're gonna know about this one. Mm-hmm. I my whole life didn't know the word for B is Zambur with an R at the end. And it Mm -hmm. turns out, literally, I just learned this like three days ago. It turns out it's Zambul with an L at the end. Okay. So that's just for Farsi. Like in Farsi, that's embarrassing. I've been mispronouncing the word for B my whole life. But I, I will say in English that I didn't know that the word facetious was spelled in the fashion that it is spelled. Okay. And so the it's spelled like face tyus. Yes. And I would see that word spelled and I would just read it in my head. Luckily I didn't have to read it aloud, but I would mm. read it in my head as face tyus. <laughs> okay, so can I admit another simple thing sure. that I didn't know? It's only come up because I have this baby and 
in toddler. <laughs> it's your baby. It's like some random baby that I've got. <laughs> you said I have this baby. <laughs> like, I get this baby for the weekend. <laughs> we don't know what, what her name is or anything. We just have her. And um, she is into, the, into like, animals. And so Classic we look at a behavior. lot of animals. We go to zoos. There's a mm-hmm. lot of zoos and animals and animal books and animal noises and anything animals. And I realized that I've really spent most of my life not fully understanding and still maybe don't understand the difference between goat and sheep. Okay. And I also think, and here's maybe a controversial statement, I don't think there should be a difference between goat and sheep. <laughs> I you think, think they should. You think goat and sheep, we should just lump together. Yeah, they should unify. Sort of like how North and South Dakota should just be one Just thing. be one Dakota. So you think like a goat and a sheep, the way like a St. Bernard and a pug, dogs, a goat and a sheep are all like under the same umbrella of thing. Yeah, I think okay. they just should be the same thing. <laughs> I guess I can't. There isn't the sounds they make are similar. Like they got similar looks. Like I'm not. You know, they both have some sort of a milk. You know, um, I don't feel like we should be treating them like. You know, like we're acting like they're so special separately, and they're not. It's like we're giving them participation trophies. This is an incredible take. <laughs> <laughs> I have never, I, not that the confusion between them, again, not making fun, but the idea of combining them into one thing, efficient. Thank you. You're and welcome. that's what I want for the world is just a little bit more efficiency, especially when we're talking about species of things that are essentially the same thing. Yeah, like functionally, they're the same. If You're never like, bring me a goat, and then someone brings you a sheep, and you're like, oh, this will never work. The plane won't <laughs> land. <laughs> Exactly. When in human history has that happened? Mm-hmm. This is incredible. My mind is blown straight out of my head. <laughs> this answer is worth a hundred points. Oh my god! Okay, great. I feel yes. I feel moderate. I feel one point in a, in an limitless number of points better. It is right. Just out of the percentage of total points, it could be. It's not that much of a difference. I just want you to know that a hundred points is possible, okay. and I want you to feel that. <laughs> Thank you, and I've achieved that. That's amazing. Next question. What, maybe the last question was the answer to this. What is a topic, what is a topic you'd love to give a TED Talk on, but you think they wouldn't let you? They'd be like, that's not what a TED Talk is, but something you want to talk about that you think everyone should know, that they'd be like, what are you, not here. (laughs) Um, The funny thing is I feel that way about the TED Talks that I have given. Really? That that they were mistaken in allowing me to do that. (laughs) But they they were so nice to let me. But I've given it some thought. And I I think that I would love to be given a talk, uh, to, to give a talk on the vending machines of Japan and what it says about their society. Wow. Because you can get so many different things from their vending machines, like umbrellas and sake and like vegetables. You can get that from a vending machine. Wow. And here's the reasons why I wouldn't be allowed to give a, a TED Talk on vending machines in Japan and my analysis of what it says about their society. A, I've never been to Japan Okay, big impediment to right. making this happen. Don't, yeah, never been. So what am I talking about, right? Just secondhand experience. Roman numeral two. 
I had to Google those three examples of um, umbrella, <laughs> sake, and vegetables. <laughs> okay. So not an expert is what you're saying. <laughs> Just a, a yeah. vending machine, a Japanese vending machine enthusiast. Right. <laughs> no, like I literally, I heard once that they sell a lot of stuff in vending machines. And mm-hmm. then I've just thought about how I, you know, about that. And then I Googled <laughs> it once. <laughs> so I'm limited in my my knowledge. And I can't say there's, I don't have any firsthand, like, evidence. A great answer. I think this, I would love this TED Talk. I think they would, you're right, they would not let you do it. <laughs> Gosh, this answer is worth 101 points for how many Dalmatians I imagine there would be in one Japanese vending machine that you could buy. <laughs> Next question. You've got an interview show, a radio interview show called Fresher Air, because we're going to leave fresh air in the dust. On Fresher Air, we really go there. What is the prying or uncomfortable or maybe just like gross, silly question you would ask on every episode to every interview subject on Fresher okay. Air? So the boring answer, which I think is like what everybody first thinks of, is like I do want to know if anyone has ever shit their pants and where they were and how public it was. Sure. And only if it, if they were over the age of like eight. Yeah, right? Other, definitely. Any pants shitting before the age of eight I think is not relevant. Um, no, but it's I, not even interesting. No, it's not interesting. Yeah, it's just like, oh, you're a kid who shit your pants. Like, that's, that's fine, standard. you know? Um, I mean, eight is maybe even a little harsh. We could even call it like 11. Yeah, I think once you're once you're a teen, it yeah. starts to become something that you, that that is like not expected. Yeah, exactly. So I do, but I think that that's, uh, and I feel like if you were to ask this question of any human being in America, yeah. This is the first thing they would be like, oh, I really wish Terry Gross would ask about whether or not people shit their pants. I think it would make for an incredible interview show. I would love an NPR show where not only was it broached in terms of content, but they used the phrase, shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> where Terry Gross is like, I'm Terry, and it's about to get real gross. You ever shit your pants? Tell me about it. <laughs> but then I also think it would kind of un- unmask the... Like, the shitting pants, um, like, barrier that we all live behind, you sure. know? They, I just think it would just could bring it out in the open, you know? Yeah. Like, let we don't need to treat it like it's the crazy, you know, like it's the worst thing. Folks, normalize shitting your pants. That's what I'm saying. And Terry Gross has that power. Who's the number one person you'd want to hear their story from? It would have to be, like, you know— you know who, and, and I'm not trying to get a political here, but I do. What I do think it would be really insane to hear Robert Mueller tell us his pants <laughs> shitting story. <laughs> like the most serious dude in America, right? He's like, I was pouring over files, drinking black <laughs> coffee after black coffee. <laughs> Incredible, a great answer. This answer is worth. 102 points. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's the fever that I had last time I shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Another specific hypothetical show. Okay. You're the host of a show called Some Things Considered. Yeah. What are some things you would not consider because they do not interest you, even if they're big topics in, in the zeitgeist? You'd be like, not for me. I don't want to ever talk about, like, lawn gear. Okay. Like, 
anything about like mowing and maintaining lawns, sure. stuff about lawns. But I, but then weirdly, I do, I would entertain gardening tips uh, on how to maintain like That's flowers. so close, but so, so uh, you've drawn such a bright line, even though those two topics are so close together and I'm fascinated. Right, right. but they're further away than goats and sheep. I was about I just to, to say, that. say, gardening and lawn care, so much closer together to me than goats and sheep. <laughs> no, you're but not to you. Goats and sheep are the same species. Oh, and, and, you know, similarly, like, I don't like watching movies that are set in the snow. And Ooh. so, yeah. Oh, can I tell you one of mine that's very similar? Please. I really don't like when, in movies, when it's the past and everyone sounds British, but it's not in England. Yeah, why do they do that? I think this about Game of Thrones. Like, they kind of defaulted to, like, British accents, and it just would have been so much funnier to me and so much more compelling if they all had, like, strong German accents or, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like French accents, it just would have been like so much more interesting. But they were like, "Oh yeah, everyone's everyone's no, British." No, but what it's I would have loved to see because it's because the decision of the accent is arbitrary from you know from the very beginning. Why yeah. isn't it a strong Bostonian accent? Right? Love like it. why isn't it a strong like nineteen sixties New York? Dude, I was standing guard at the fucking wall, guy. Are you shitting me? <laughs> have you seen the Direwolves, dude, kid? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, that's, I want to watch that show. People would have gotten eight minutes in and would, would have been like, no, we're, we're out. It's like a whole kingdom of the town. <laughs> this this collection of things to not talk about on this show is varied, but you still leave yourself a lot of, a lot of room, a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Lawn care, for example. Movies that don't take place in the snow. I... I'm going to go, this is worth 103 points. I think that's a, a, an important an important number. I think that's like how many topics that you could eliminate and still have a lot to talk topics. about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, There's yeah, way more thank than you. Yep, no problem. Next question. On a hypothetical, no-holds-barred game show called Don't Wait, Just Tell Me. <laughs> What would you quiz panelists and listeners on? What kind of stuff that wouldn't be fit for NPR, but you like, you want to test people's knowledge of these things? Yeah. So, you know, like NPR has, so the, wait, wait, don't tell me, has a, a lot of call-in people, right? And I think it would be fun if we, like, if we quiz listeners on who their neighbors or their like cubicle mates are, you Ooh, know, or like their fun. colleagues. Kind of like the newlywed game, but for just every person you know in your regular life. It would require a lot of research in figuring out who their neighbors are and interviewing yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it would be really telling if you don't know very much about the people you see around you all the time. Yeah, and that's that would, fascinating. And I, again, it could be fun and funny, but it also yes. would be illustrative of like the human condition. I think so. I think people, what people do and don't know about their neighbors says a lot about their, the way they live. And I don't mean that as a value judgment, but certainly like, I don't know very much about my neighbors. Right. And then what, and then the pressure, like, let's say just like the most famous show in the history of time, this don't wait, just tell me, Mm -hmm. people would feel pressure to like get to know their neighbors, which would then bridge our social divides. 
I think so. You know, just so they could be a contestant on the show. I love it. This is an incredible answer. Thank you. Yeah, this answer is going to be 104 points. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. We are moving along. I think it's just a terrific, a terrific answer. Worth one more point than the previous one. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Final question. What is the number one word you wish you could say on the radio but have to stop yourself from using? Okay, I don't know which story you're talking about, but this is the thing, the word that I was going to say because it happened to me on Wait, Wait. Yep. Here's the thing, Josh. More than once I have said, <laughs> I have used a particular word on NPR that I was not allowed to use. And the same had word to, more than once? I have used the word bone or bone. That's boning. the one I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and I use it a lot, like in everyday mm-hmm. life. It, I just, it's just like a word I use to, to talk about sex or to, like to talk about if I hear a story about dating. Like, I don't know. I use it a lot. I, I am still in high school. I use the word boning. It's also like to use boning and bone for sex is like, pretty clean, right? Like you, I think the one, the taping we did together where you, you said it a couple times and they were like, Nikki, can we re-record that without you saying bone? And you were like, <laughs> okay, but like, what, why is bone o- across the line? Well, here's the funny thing. So then I did another show on NPR, yep. which I think you've also done called Live From Here. Yes. Um, a fantastic show. You could see the, the archives online. And I, I had a, I, I had a line in my show, in, in my set that said where it was, um, can I say fucking? Oh yeah. Where it was like fucking. And then, you know, obviously I knew I couldn't say that because it's an NPR show. So yeah. we went through and I was like, okay, let's just, let's do bone. Let's do boning. And they're like, mm, you can't say that either. So I tried to get boning in on multiple NPR shows yep. <laughs> and we settled on, and here's what I think is interesting. We settled on banging. Banging is just as bad as right. boning, if not worse. <laughs> you know? Because banging feels more adult. Boning feels like a thing an adolescent would say, which somehow yeah. I feel like makes it less serious. Yeah. that that's At, at that point, they might as well just be like, oh, yeah, we were smashing it out. <laughs> like, like, it's a euphemism, but it's grosser than just saying that, like, fuck. Yeah, Dude, I banging. was getting it in. And it's like, yeah, that's fine on NPR. You can say getting it in because you don't say what's going in or where. <laughs> I would love to be uh, like what you know on the legal team for NPR mm-hmm. because you get to make decisions like that all day long. This is an incredible answer. I, I it was exactly what I had hoped to hear. Um <laughs> it's so funny to me. Boning, this answer is worth. 206 points. That was such a jump. Oh my God, unexpected. But that's the number of bones in the human body, right? Yeah. I think. Let me Google it. I have no idea. Yep, 206. Wow. You said yes so confidently. It's amazing that you know that. It was like you, but you agreed you, so quickly. You, as someone, as an idiot that I think of. <laughs> it's just so dumbass. I don't know why I said it like that. You know how many bones you have, you idiot? <laughs> You're an idiot. Why would you know that? That concludes our game of non-PR. That brings your total score to 815 points, the highest all-time score in Make My Day history. Oh How do you feel? God. I feel so good. I'm, I'm on it. Like I'm, I'm blushing. Listeners can't see this, but you can feel the blush through my voice. <laughs> 
<laughs> as the grand prize winner of this week's Make My Day episode, you have won $100 as a contribution to the charity or cause of your choice. Where will the money be going? One fair wage. One fair wage. Can you talk a little bit about that? They're an advocacy organization that's um, fighting for a higher minimum wage for restaurant workers and other workers that, you know, that work for, you know, oftentimes wages that they can't live on. You know, they just can't make a living off of it. And especially now with this pandemic, we're seeing that the minimum wage is so, so important. And so I, I, I really would like to support their efforts. That's great. I think that's such a great cause. Thank you. I didn't I didn't know about this this specific group, and that's terrific. It's the first time on the show. That's wonderful. One fair wage. I'll put the information for people to donate to in the show notes and on social media. Perfect. The final segment of this week's show, as every week, is the pep talk. We each give a pep talk to a person or group or entity that we think needs or deserves it this week. I'm going to go first. This was a listener suggestion for a pep talk, and I ran with it. I think it's a great suggestion. I don't want to. I don't know if they want to be named, but I will. I'll just say, shout out to you, big guy. <laughs> and this pep talk is for 2021, the current year, as of about two weeks ago. Hey, 2021, you've got your work cut out for you. 2020 was a rough year, as were several of the preceding years for many people. Maybe it's just the years are bad. I'm going to put a pin in that thought, and I'll come back to it later on my own time. <laughs> the point is, lots of people have been saying that as long as you, 2021, are better than 2020 was, people will be satisfied that you've got a lower bar to clear. And I'm here to say respectfully, fuck that shit. <laughs> We're not going to aim low this year. We're not going to tolerate the bare minimum. Better than last year? Ugh, that's nothing. It's not on you the year 2021 exclusively to be better, right? It's on us too, the people. And this year, we're gonna try our best. We're gonna show up for each other. We're gonna to do things to support and enrich our communities and our friendships and our relationships and our family lives and, and our own lives. We're gonna make things better. That's, that's on us, that's incumbent on us to do, even if we can't do it all the time. And yeah, we can be easy on ourselves if we fall short, but it's not gonna be the goal. We're not like, let's just be a little better than the worst year any of us remember. <laughs> <laughs> so 2021, we believe in you. We're counting on you. We're here for you. But if you try to rest on the laurels of Donald Trump is no longer president, or at least there's not another pandemic, we will kick you to the curb so fast and never look back. That has been my pep talk. Nagin, I would love to hear yours, please. My pep talk is, is to everyone in seventh grade. You're in the middle of what is the worst period of your entire life. You're not a cute little kid anymore. You're not a hot adult. You're this gross thing that everyone wants to avoid. Uh, your teachers got stuck with this age group and they're just paying their dues before they can get a job at the high school, so they hate you. Um, your counselors are tired of pretending that any of your middle school grades matter and they want to say, stop being a nerd, you baseless dork. But they can't say that because of something about professionalism and getting fired. <laughs> um, you've got acne. And Zach Zellman, that alliterably named fuck, is making fun of your hairy legs and doesn't know that your Middle Eastern mom is forbidding you to shave until you're in high school and you live in a desert and you wear shorts all the time so everyone sees your profoundly hairy legs and your face grows more hair than many of the boys in class on account of that thing where you're Middle Eastern. Um, and I'm sorry, that got really specific, but let's just assume <laughs> that most seventh graders in America are Middle Eastern and are named Nagin or something like that. Anyway. 
This is a pep talk. So my words of encouragement to you are that you should just try to get through it. I mean, you might have some fun, like one or two minutes of solid fun. Mm -hmm. Like when you, when they take you to medieval times and you got to eat an oversized turkey leg, lean into those 60 to 120 <laughs> seconds because that's all you're gonna get. And when summer comes and you go to musical theater camp, you can relax a little, like a little. But when eighth grade <laughs> comes around, you better have your shit together because it's just as bad as seventh grade. The only difference is that the end is nearer. And remember, you're not alone. Everyone has to experience this incessant hellscape. Now it's your turn. Congratulations. A wonderful pep talk. Inspirational. Thank you. Personal. Beautiful. And again, <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. That's been our show. This was Make My Day. I'm Josh Gondelman. Our guest today was Nagin Farsad. Nagin, where can people find you and your work? Oh my God, they can find me on all of the social medias mm -hmm. um, at Nagin Farsad, a name that we've established is both easy to pronounce and spell. Mm -hmm. um, you can subscribe to my show, Fake the Nation, of which Gondelman, comma Josh, has been <laughs> a guest and um, and will return again. Um, but we've had some amazing people on, like Margaret Cho and Neil deGrasse Tyson and Julian Castro for presidential candidate fans. So um, we, it's a really fun show and a lot of funny people. Um, so follow me there. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. Really did make my day. Well, that's all the Make My Day for today. Thank you once again for listening. Make My Day is a Radio Point production produced by Houston Snyder and Naomi Steinberg, executive produced by Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's a huge help to the show if you have a second to rate and review it as highly as your conscience allows. We'll be back next week. Until then, have several nice days.